The Future Auberge On the eighth day of the holiday, mid-afternoon in Angers, Anna Magal suffered a crisis no one noticed. She stood apart from the rest of her family, who for the second time that day were looking at the famous tapestries. Her husband Michael and her younger son Patrick huddled together seemed to find as much interest in the guidebook as in the tapestries themselves. Simon, the eldest son, stood some distance away, his earnest stare fixed upon the apocalypse. When contemplating any work of art, Simon managed to exude an air of superiority, as if he alone were granted understanding. His father and brother, a little awed by this attitude, believed Simon had a vision they lacked, hence their endless perusal of guidebooks to make up in facts what they lacked in spiritual communication. Anna had no such feelings. Simon's loftiness drove her wild. She thought he looked quite goofy, peering through his thick spectacles, fingers twitching at his sludged-coloured anorak. For years she had struggled to fight the annoyance his physical presence caused her. It had never been so bad as on this holiday. Outside it gently rained. A flat, plum-coloured light in the galleries darkened the tapestries. Anna wondered if any of the women who had put thousands of hours of work into these hangings of gloomy beauty had ever rebelled. The younger ones, surely, must have woken some mornings and thought to themselves they would go mad if they had to do another bloody stitch. Anna's reflections were cut short by a Norwegian tourist. He stepped in front of her, blocking her view and provoking the crisis. His Macintosh skimmed calves lattice with veins, bare toes splayed beyond the edges of his sandals, clenched in concentration. Anna thought, In the past week I've seen 43 Romanesque churches, 15 museums, 11 chateaus, 7 picture galleries, the tapestries twice, and now a Norwegian is thwarting my view. I can't bear it any more. She left the gallery, hurried outside. It was raining harder now. Sheltering under a chestnut tree, she looked up into the great dome of sharp green leaves and thanked God there was nothing in the guidebook about this. The very thought of the guidebook made her cry for a moment. Soon she would recover herself, return to the gallery, wait. But as she was dabbing her eyes, an English couple walked by. Plainly happy, the man took the woman's arm and guided her towards a cafe. His innocent gesture caused Anna a second crisis, this time of jealousy. Michael and the boys would never consider stopping mid-afternoon for a drink. Three more churches before dark, they would say. Anna followed the couple into the cafe. She chose an empty table by the window, ordered a croissant coffee. Lunch had been a bag of apples eaten beside an ancient tomb. Her aching legs and feet recovered. The pleasure of sitting alone at a foreign table, uncluttered by guidebooks, was almost tangible. After a while, she saw her husband and sons leave the gallery. They looked briefly about them, then set off towards the church. The English couple rose to leave. Where are you going? Anna heard herself asking. Delange, ten miles north. We've been staying in an auberge there, but we've got to get back to Paris. The woman smiled friendly. Then Anna heard herself requesting a lift. They sped along a small road that followed a curling river. 
silver birches shimmered high above white cows, and higher still white clouds feathered the sky. What am I doing, Anna thought, just once. The auberge was the sort of place she had been hoping to find ever since landing in France. In her mind, a fuchsia auberge, baskets of flowers hanging round the terrace, represented warmth, peace, an hour or two to herself. Michael and the boys, of course, were not interested in such things. Convenience for the sights was all they cared about, station hotels. But she was alone now. She could do as she liked. Anna quickly decided the place was much too agreeable to leave within the hour. Besides, there was no transport. She booked in for the night. Her room had blue striped walls, curtains dizzy.